Hey everyone, today is my absolute pleasure to present to you Garrett Turner, who is head of brand at Visabix. He holds a strong track record from global brands such as Heineken and Arla Foods. Today we'll do a deep dive into what it means to keep a legacy brand relevant throughout decades, where both audience and communication touchpoints will have evolved tremendously over time, and the brand therefore being forced to adapt to stay relevant. Right, on with the show. From Studio Rue, I'm Yessie Fram, and this is Bosses for Breakfast, the show where I talk with entrepreneurs, creatives, and inspiring visionaries about their successes and their failures around advertising and what they're bringing forward today. Gareth. Hi. Hi. I'm excited to visit you in Leeds today. Thank you. And thanks for the tea. I appreciate that. It's okay. What's your, what's your usual morning routine? Pretty much what you see in front of you, I think. So just a, a strong black coffee is pretty much what I do uh, in is my part of my morning routine. So I, uh, I have it depends on on where I am. I travel a lot for work. So uh, at uh, if I'm travelling up early, I tend to have a a coffee on the go, get in my flask and uh, and hit the road and drive down to uh, to the office. Or if I'm on the train, I'll I'll pick up a, a, a coffee en route. But uh, if I get a chance to have breakfast with my family that's what I enjoy most so uh, a day when I'm perhaps working from home or the weekend that's when I uh, enjoy spending a time with my son and my, my partner and and uh, have a slightly more leisurely leisurely breakfast with uh, sounds good so coffee yes. or tea coffee 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 black coffee all the way all the way yeah <laughs> keeps you going that's really good so today you work for Beatabix I do but um like some years back how how did your journey begin and 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 what has what has the journey been all the way up to today so uh i've had a, a career of two halves you, you could say so uh, my early career was uh, in the, the sales function so when i i left university and joined uh, diageo um and uh, started with them in a sales career and then left them to join heineken so it was a drinks industry first and progressed through a variety of different sales roles uh, to become sales director for the east of england uh, when i was at at heineken learned a lot there about uh, my first leadership positions and uh, how to sell products which is which is pretty pretty good to to know as you uh, when you're in, in a business uh, and then i got an opportunity to move into marketing when i was at heineken so uh, i spoke to marketing director at the time then sarah warby and she uh, she encouraged me to apply. I had some credibility in the business. I had no marketing experience whatsoever. And uh, they gave me the opportunity to lead the ale team at, at Heineken. <clears throat> so at the time that included uh, Murphy's and Newcastle Brown, but John Smith was the, the jewel in that crown. So I, I was very fortunate to work on the John Smith brand for a couple of years and made some amazing advertising. I did the last set of P2K advertising, famous P2K advertising for John Smiths and uh, I'm very proud of that on my CV to this day. And then uh, they gave me that role because that was a good starter for 10. That was a good place for me to learn the ropes. I was never going to mess up John Smiths. It had been a big, powerful, strong brand for a long period of time not even I could mess John Smith's up um, but then they gave me a chance to uh, to lead a bit more of a strategic development so to 
to lead a strategy and then to implement that. And that was on on cider brands. So I, I led the repositioning and uh, rebranding and NPD for uh, for the Bulmers brand. Uh, and I still see the output of that work back uh, in market now. So I launched the first fruit cider for Bulmers. And by the time I'd left, that was a hot, the biggest selling fruit cider in the, in the category. So I was, I, I'm still very proud of that work. And then took a, a work-life balance decision, joined Arla Foods based in Leeds. Uh, and again, I did some amazing work that I'm very proud of there. So I uh, worked on the Lurpak brand, did the uh, Cook's Range launch and did some award-winning uh, advertising with them. Mm-hmm. Was the category marketing director for Butter in the UK. Uh, so looking after the Lurpak brand, an anchor and private label. And then uh, my final job at Arla was uh, leading a global um, communications project, so bringing the work much closer together. In the past, it had been uh, each individual brand and each individual market had been uh, communicated separately, so bringing it together into one Arla brand, uh, which was the last piece of work I did there before I joined Weetabix, where I'm currently head of brand for the Weetabix brand, an iconic British icon brand which I grew up with my family is growing up with yeah, everyone's grown up with for the last 85 years yeah. it's 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 got a lot of heritage in in the UK so it's it's amazing to be part of that story now so I'm, I'm very proud to to be leading that brand yeah that's a really incredible story also like it must have been amazing to be exposed to so many like global like historically um, important brands yeah, I've been very lucky to to work on big brands with big budgets. That's, yeah, uh, always helps that, a little that, bit. That's <laughs> nice. And, yeah, it's perhaps it's a vanity metric, but it's uh, it's something that yeah, I'm proud of the work I've done. I'm proud of the stuff that other people see. I love it when someone says, oh, "That's I, I know those John Smith ads. I, I I love those ads. I've I've seen them. Did you do those?" And yeah. it's the same with Weetabix. I hope we're uh, we've just shot a new commercial for Weetabix uh, and. I hope people will be saying the same things about that piece of work. Definitely. There's a lot of love going into it. So maybe tell me a little bit more about your day-to-day role at Vitabix. Um, Where are you now? Um, What's the history you're picking up on? But also, where do you want it to um, go in future? I think that my role at Vitabix is to lead the brand team in continuing the growth of that brand. Mm -hmm. It's That brand is in great shape uh, and my role is to continue the growth and development of the biggest part of the Weetabix food company's business. So um, they have Alpen, Readybreak, Weetos, other uh, private label businesses there. Um, they have other parts of that business, but the Weetabix brand is the biggest part of, uh, of the business, and it's the biggest brand in the category, the biggest uh, product in the category. My day-to-day job is balancing the execution of the in-year plans with developing some strategy for growth going forward and where we want to play and how we want to play and where innovation might might emerge to managing the team to showing broader business leadership so in a nutshell my my role there is to champion the consumer within our within our business there's always going to be a healthy tension between mm-hmm. <coughs> sales and customers and consumers and marketing and that's my role is to to be the voice of the consumer within the Weetabix business. Mm. So how do you how do you do that? What's the main focus points? Data would be uh, always a good starting point. Knowing a consumer, getting out and spending time 
with consumers. What I love about Weetabix is how brilliantly the insight team is integrated into the marketing team. Mm-hmm. So within, I don't know, within I've only been there for four months, right? Yeah. But uh, within my first month, I'd been out with colleagues in people's kitchens, watching them, having breakfast with them, talking about the way they eat breakfast, looking at the way they consume our products. That's, you cannot um, substitute spending time. You can't, you can't underestimate the importance of spending time with consumers in, the, in their environment when they're using your product. So I, I love the way that the Insight team champions that within our, in our business. And that's something that uh, uh, should reap its rewards when we, we then talk about consumers within the business. We can say, well, many of us have seen the way people eat Weetabix, the way they open the packs, the way they talk about Weetabix, the way um, when I told people I was joining Weetabix, people instantly told me, about how great the product was, how amazing it was, the history and the heritage of the brand. This is a brand I grew up with, Gareth, when, they, when I told them I was joining. Uh, and then pretty quickly they told me about a few NPD ideas after that as well, which, uh, <laughs> which I've got in the locker uh, somewhere. I'll, I'll wheel them out one day. The, those people know who they are. Yeah, <laughs> I'll send it to them. Um, yeah, cool. So in terms of, um, we're talking a lot about the heritage of Vitabix as a brand. Do you think the communication has changed and are changing or, or and what what core would you say you're keeping and are there anything you are evolving on when it comes to communication strategy for them yeah so Weetabix knows what works for it mm-hmm. it you know, it's I talked about data earlier on Weetabix has got stacks of data that tells it what the best channels are what the best ROI channels are for it and they're you know, they're not dissimilar to uh, to broad FMCG channels. Yeah, TV works brilliantly for Weetabix just as it does for other FMCG brands. So my job is to keep that growth growing, to keep to maximise our return on investment, um, to keep the brand top of mind and to convert that top of mind awareness into sales at the point of purchase. So that's why it's so important for me to work collaboratively with sales and shopper marketing colleagues to to convert at the moment that matters, get get somebody to pick up my product off the shelf rather than uh, somebody else's mm-hmm. project product. So I think Marketing Week this week talked about an 80% growth in investment in the brand in the last two years for Weetabix. Mm-hmm. So we are investing significantly. We're growing our investment behind the brand and we're looking at new, I'm doing little quotey marks, mm-hmm. new channels uh, for Weetabix. So Whilst TV works brilliantly for us, mm. there comes a point where you get diminishing returns on, on that investment. So you have to look to layer in new channels if you're going to try to grow your awareness and grow your top of mind and salience. Mm. So we're currently running uh, a trial on radio. So we've got some radio ads uh, that are going out nationally at the moment and we're seeing how they're going to work for us. And then we're also going to trial some uh, some other channels, some online video, Facebook, etc., etc. So um layering on new channels but in a measured considered way we're not going all in on any one channel we're testing and learning and applying and this moving things forward gradually it'd be reckless to to suddenly change a strategy that's working so well for us yeah so my my role is to bring new thinking to the business that's why they've recruited from from outside i'd imagine part of the reason uh, they've recruited from from outside but to, so to bring in 
new thinking to those channels, but to do it in a way that's absolutely ruthlessly consistent with the creative idea that we've had going before us. So the idea of when you've had your Weetabix, you're more able to take on the challenges that life throws at you. That's the, the Jack and the Beanstalk ad that we've, we're currently running. That's the uh, famous advertising from the 80s and 90s, the Battle of Naseby, the Grand National ad, the Black Beauty ad. These are all in the folklore of British advertising mm. and they're all about the same creative idea. So consistency of creative idea is, is paramount for me and, and my job is to build on the great work that's that's gone before but maybe just in new media channels. Mm. Yeah, that's exciting. I also think, I don't know, I'm just guessing because you work for a brand with such a history, like one thing, I obviously want to keep doing what's working but I imagine that um, you need to keep being relevant as well and like people get old younger people get get in and yeah. they will have like um purchase um power and and you need to target them where they are so imagine there will be some effect where you're trying to balance that yeah i think the but the creative idea you you're better set up for a day when you've had a proper nourishing breakfast and by the way weetabix is a proper nourishing <laughs> breakfast that's 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 a universal um idea right that so you can execute that creative idea in ways that are relevant to slightly different target audiences. And, and the beauty of online video and social media is that it allows you to do that and to have slightly more granular target audiences. I think we're still scale brands, so I'm not talking about a cohort of 50 people. We're still talking in you know, big numbers. Mm-hmm. But we did that recently with uh, a tactical advert. We had an advert when the leader of the uh, Conservative Party was announced recently. And we just put a picture of number 10 uh, Downing Street on social media and said, he's going to need his. Yeah. He's going to need his Weetabix. And you know, blimey, he's going to need his Weetabix. He's, he still needs his Weetabix. We're not making a comment on supporting anyone or not supporting anyone. It's just a statement that someone doing a big job is going to need their sustenance, going to need to be set up for the day. And that's what we, we did with number 10. And that's an idea that could be applied to little Johnny going to school on the first day for school or... Um, yeah, the day you retire from from work, that's a big day ahead of you. There's, there's all these, there's, there's loads of ways you can make that creative idea relevant for different groups of people. Yeah, I like that, that you take the same idea and execute differently. And obviously stuff like that must have gotten lots of attention. Um, yeah. That, it, was, it was very relevant. That number 10 ad, I think you know, we, we had, I think three quarters of a million yeah. uh, views of that for next to no money at all. It was, it was uh, very very good for us, yeah, performed very well. Yeah. yeah, that's that's quite cool. Um, are there any considerations ahead of stuff like that? Because it is almost threading dangerously on political territory without doing it, but you still yeah. do a little bit. Yeah, that, I mean, that that was a massive consideration for us in that example. I don't think we would, we never take sides. We're just pointing out that someone's got a tough job. They've done a tough job. They've, they've, they've had a superhuman effort or they've just about to do something difficult absolutely would never take sides and so we would never support one side politically over someone else we'd probably never support one football team over another football team we just might point out that someone's had a great performance mm. uh, or that they will need to have a great performance to to overcome the odds yeah. so yeah, never never taking sides it's almost like we're uh we're someone's friend or family member sitting on the couch next to them whilst that person's watching the news talking about the next leader of the Conservative Party, we might say, blimey, they're gonna, they've got a tough job ahead of them. They're going to need their Weetabix. Mm-hmm. And that's, 
that's how we like to see ourselves. Yeah. I can see you like walking around on like everyday levels and be like, oh wow, I can I can use this now. I like, get really excited about There's projects. There's loads of stuff, uh, uh-huh. and it's it's in the common vernacular, right? So you can go on Twitter and search for Weetabix, and people are saying to their mates who've got a big day ahead, you're going to need your Weetabix, or yeah. who've done something special. Dave had his Weetabix. This it's in the common parlance, so yeah. it's something that people are doing anyway, yeah. and that's that's a great idea. If, if, it, if it catches the imagination of the general public, then you know you're onto something that's resonating. Yeah, I really like that. You can you can like constantly piggyback on contemporary issues yeah. or like things that are, that are there, which keeps you going. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. really interesting. So when it comes to just a little bit um, of a different angle, we talked a lot about um, like strategy and communication. Production, has that changed how you like doing your advertising today how like um, you did a lot of TVC in the past now socials come in um, do you commit to like the same agencies do you do anything in-house or where are you and what's the what's the plan ahead so I think in as Weetabix has been a fairly traditional advertiser we've gone for you know, big scale uh, traditional media channels we've used the traditional way of producing that so Uh, We use uh, our agency who've done our TV advertising and our radio advertising as BBH. They've done an amazing job for us uh, over over a long period of time. And that works brilliantly for us. But we also have uh, some digital agencies. So we work with other agencies uh, to develop social media assets. uh, And then we work with Visium, part of the Denso Aegis group, to to buy our, our media. We don't do any of that in-house right now. I think for us, where Weetabix is in our evolution, in our in our growth, it's not the right time for us to be having any of that stuff in-house. Who knows in the future, as, as more digital media is bought by Weetabix, maybe it will become something to, to look into, but we don't do that in-house right now. I don't see a massive benefit for us doing that, but you know, as, as you know, when uh, I worked at Arla, that's something that we brought in-house at Arla, and I know other, many other businesses are doing that, but that's not for us right now. No. And we and we do all our production uh, through agencies, so that's uh, that's something that uh, we don't have the capability at the moment to do, and I'm not sure we'd have the appetite to do that right now. I don't think we produce enough assets to make that a worthwhile journey, but who knows? Mm-hmm. Who knows? Never say never. No, no, no. <laughs> So, are there any? It's a bit of an open question. Um, are there anything you avoid doing? Um, maybe something you do in the past, a learning something that might have gone wrong. But today, you definitely not do that for whatever reason. That's a great question. Everyone's always interested on stuff that you've done wrong, right? There's always, there's always <laughs> it doesn't a, have to be something that's there's been always wrong. There's always a better, a better story there. I think um, the thing that is most important for me is to have a evidence-based approach to marketing and for a marketer not to get blinded by the shiny new thing Mm. so what have I done in the past you know my one of my funnier examples might be that uh, I did a iPhone app for John Smith's a darts app it was an amazing app it was a brilliant game everyone who played the game loved it but it was not right for our target audience Mm. so that was a vanity project. That was a shiny new thing. We knew we could make an app for, for a darts game for John Smith. It was a great darts game for John Smith. It wasn't right. It didn't connect with our target audience. So I was blinded by the shiny new thing. 
I didn't have my consumer at the heart of what I was doing at that point. Mm. And that was a big, like, uh, after all that, when we did the analysis and it hadn't performed particularly well for us, there was just a light bulb moment for me at that point. Mm. Go, right, hang on, that's, that's not, this isn't the right thing we should be doing. I, my job is to champion the consumer mm. within my business, not to just chase the shiny new thing. Yeah. So that's, uh, that's one thing. Uh, there's many, there's many. But it really illustrates well how it's important to know your target audience and like just going for whatever and like does not make sense. And yeah. um, I it think just didn't connect with them. It wasn't. No. It was a great game. Yeah. And myself and the agencies enjoyed playing it. Connected with you. <laughs> but it didn't connect with me. It didn't yeah. connect necessarily with 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 my target audience. Yeah. I suppose another example which is a kind of a a failure and a success is when we launched at Arla, when we launched the Cook Range, Cook's Range for Lurpak. Mm. That is an amazing product. Mm. The clarified butter is amazing, the, the spray, the liquid, amazing products. Mm. It had amazing Can Golden Lion winning communications. Mm. And we spent a lot of money communicating that product. But it got delisted mm. pretty quickly. And my learning for me on that was you don't it's not just about that it's not just about the product and the communication we we didn't do a good enough job to tell people how to use that product we didn't have those products i believe in the right place in store we could have had those products next to the oils next to the uh, the the other uh, sort of cooking liquids like you know yeah. fry light etc we chose not to we put those in the chiller next to the butter and that's not where people were in the right frame of mind to be buying it they weren't in the right mindset to be buying a, an oil type yeah. product an oil replacement when they're in the butter aisle the place to put that is next to the other oils yeah. so something I learned then is about getting getting yourself in the right frame of reference getting yourself getting your products in the moment where people are making decisions about that kind of product yeah that's very interesting it's almost like really understanding the shopper journey like physically yeah. walk into a store and be like right what makes sense here yes. just as when you are on websites and you have the whole ux experience like what where will i click like that where we put that product i would argue was driven by where we had those commercial relationships at yeah. so we we had the relationships with the butter buyers not the oil buyers elsewhere so it was relatively easy for us to get those products in the butter fixture mm -hmm. But if it could have been gone, could have been put in the oil fixture, why didn't we try and get those relationships? Why didn't we push harder with the businesses, the retailers, to get those relationships, to get those products in the right places? Because that was, for me, an internal reason as to why something didn't necessarily work out in the market. So I, I agree, it's putting the shopper journey at the heart of it. Back to the John Smith example as well, understanding your shopper and your consumer. Yeah. And, and how they're operating. Yeah. That's a good insight. So if we take a step back and um, out of uh, out of Vitabix a little bit, and we look into like just brands in general, I think there might be a difference in um, like heritage brands versus maybe new brands. But overall, what key things do you think are common denominators for successful brands? Great question. I think for me, having a distinctive set of assets is 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 critical having the purple of of cabris having something that's so iconic that when you see it you're instantly thinking of that brand and and the way that cabris have taken all the copy off their packaging 
to support, I think it's Age Concern or support a, a, an age-related uh, charity, that shows you the strength of their distinctive brand assets, their, their colour and the, the glass-and-a-half icon they have on the front of pack. So having a distinctive set of assets and protecting them and using them ruthlessly. So always building on those distinctive brand assets, not messing with the colour of Cadbury's, for example, and using that across all of your communications channels from packaging to your advertising to your shopper marketing to the tone of voice you use when you're uh, talking to consumers talking to consumers in um, on your website on on your chat etc that that for me is important to have that set of assets and to use them consistently persistently over a long period of time that's when you get more effective communications you get um, more efficient communications and you're, you're averaging up um, all the time on your, your effectiveness. So that's something we did at Arla. That's the last project that I led when I was at Arla it was to bring all of the communications much more tightly together because it's something I feel so passionately about. Mm-hmm. In the past, uh, in the UK, for example, you had Cravendale and Lacto-Free and Skier and Protein and blah, 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 Bob and all being advertised very independently. Mm. What we did was to give them a structure where they could become more like a la Cravendale, a la Lacto-Free, a la Protein, and bring them into one creative structure. And by doing that, a la, in the last set of results that I saw, has seen a 30% increase in effectiveness. So it's it's an amazing uh, return. By being a bit more consistent, by being a lot more consistent, and being being ruthless in the way you execute that. Mm. That has a real benefit to a return on investment. It's not just a, a vanity project for someone sitting in a global office. It's a hard cash return on investment mm. improved by 30% when, you, when you're building on things each time, not creating something new every time. Can you just give a few examples of um, what things you would tie together to create that consistency? So you can bring consistency at a number of different levels. So Weetabix has a great consistency at a creative idea strategic level. Mm-hmm. We believe that when you have a great Weetabix breakfast, you're set up for the day. Mm-hmm. And therefore, when someone does an amazing feat, like Jack and the Beanstalk sending the giant packing because he's about to have his Weetabix, the giant fears the, guy, the, the young boy who's had his Weetabix, and you're setting yourself up, you have a great day ahead of you. That's the creative idea. That's been consistent, whether it's Naseby or Black Beauty or the Grand National or Jack or our new ad. These are consistent executions on our creative idea. Mm. You can also be consistent at an executional level. So you can have the same look and feel, the same typeface, the same logo, the same colorways, the same grading, the same sound design. So John Lewis, we all know mm. at Christmas when the John Lewis ad comes on, world goes mental. you know within, well, the world goes mental, but we all, <laughs> we all know world. within the first five seconds, oh, this could be the John Lewis ad because there's a whimsical grading to it. There's a perhaps a well-known song that's been re-recorded in some sort of acoustic stripped back way. There's a feel to that advert which feels very consistent. So you can do it at a strategic level or an executional level. Mm. I think at Arla we tried to do both those. So we tried to bring one consistent creative idea, 
but also bring them together executionally so they felt more tightly mm. um, matching luggage on, on, on them. We don't do that at Weetabix. Mm. We've got a set of distinctive assets which we do use across executions, but we're not as visually consistent as, uh, as Arla was trying to be. Um, we're more in, in the camp of, say, spec savers, where they've got a very clear creative idea, should have gone to spec savers. And when you look at the work that spec savers do, it's visually very different. Mm. But in my mind's eye, it feels very consistent because I'm imagining the same creative idea all the time. I'm thinking about the story, the narrative arc, mm. which, is, which is always similar and always depicting, always executing, dramatising the, uh, the creative idea. Mm. That makes sense. So when it comes to advertising, what do you like to see more of? What excites you? Well, on stuff that I'm doing, uh, I like to see that consistency. I like to see communications that builds on the work that goes before. So what I don't like seeing is is a new marketeer coming into a, a business and wanting to change everything because I'm the new the new brand manager or the new brand director or whatever whatever you might be so that consistency uh, is important um, I like to see well produced ads I like to see ads that are um, that have high production values um, the you know John Lewis is a great example it's a bit hackneyed but the look at the Lloyds Bank advertising at the moment bringing back the black horse that's that's a, a set of distinctive brand assets that they've had in their locker for years and they've just re- brought them back out again for for this round of work. What else do I... I, I like seeing stuff that's just different, a bit provocative, that mm. makes me laugh, that, um, yeah, just mm. just good work. Yeah. yeah. Do you find it challenging to, like, keep on top of producing quality work in a world that uh, demands constant work and volume? Yeah. So at Weetabix, we, we don't deliver a volume of work we do one or two big assets uh, and we we invest a lot behind those and we um, we research them and we so we, we know that they're they're good assets and uh, we're just dipping our toe into water into producing other I would say lower production value pieces of work which so that, that number 10 example that I gave that was a a very quick and relatively low production value Execution. It was a stock image that we just put some copy over and and published. That's that's relatively straightforward yeah. to do. But you can test and learn on on these things. So I think we're just getting into it. Perhaps is, is the answer to your question. Yeah. In the next year, we'll be doing more lower production, more assets at a lower production value. But just testing it and seeing what works, and just maybe testing and optimizing and learning and and refining and yeah, yeah. embedding and. And moving forward, so yeah, we're we're on that journey. So, I'll ask me that question in 12 months' time, and I'll, <laughs> I'll come I'll back tell you in 12 months. Yeah. Yeah. See how it's ha- see, see how, how it works. Yeah. yeah. See, see how that's uh, exciting. See how knackered I look. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, just one last question before we finish up here. Um, what's in terms of your personal journey? Um, you're still fairly new to Vitabix, and I imagine you have a good time ahead there. But where where would you like to take your journey? So when I look at what excites me about uh, the jobs that I've taken and what I what I enjoy in my career progression so far, it's having a strategic impact, a long-term impact on an hopefully ever-growing 
sphere of influence. So I started out having that impact on the ale business at, at Heineken and John Smith in particular, and then moved to developing strategy for the what they called at the time the modern cider mm-hmm. business. So the predominantly the the Bulmers brand. And now look at where I'm now. I'm having a strategic impact on the biggest part, the biggest brand within the Weetabix business. Mm-hmm. So the next role for me would be to have that impact on a whole department yeah. personally. So I'd love my next career move to be leading a department of of big brands. I've been fortunate enough to work on big brands, a big branded portfolio business. Mm-hmm. That was that's my my next step so if anyone's listening yeah yeah that would be really do you have any any favourite brands I've only only been in four months so I shouldn't say that but no No, I'm uh, I'm loving it at Weetabix I wouldn't uh, wouldn't move uh, at all in in the short term I should quickly add but um, (laughs) but yeah that that ultimately is my is my next next career goal yeah oh that's I wish you the best of luck with that thank Thank you you so much thanks (laughs) cheers bye Buzzes for Breakfast are hosted by me and produced by Studio Roo If you like our show and want more exciting stories like this, don't forget to follow us. You can get all episodes for free on any of your preferred podcast services.